If you have your Bibles, I invite you to be finding the book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans, chapter 5. Quite often, I tell you in the Bible when we're preaching and teaching and studying, when you see the word therefore, pause long enough to find out what it's there for. Uh, the word therefore is a word that is actually a legal term. It's a word that's used by attorneys to transition into their closing arguments. In other words, if you have a prosecuting attorney, the attorney might say, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we found the defendant's blood our defendant's fingerprints on the gun. We found his DNA in, uh, in the house. We know that's who killed this person. Therefore, you must find him guilty. Uh, the defense attorney would say something like, well, that, that defendant has a twin brother and the DNA might be similar and the fingerprints might be similar. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I think you have to say that he is not guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So that word therefore is a transition word. And there are three great therefores in the book of Romans. And we're going to look at those this morning. The first one is found in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans 5, and we're going to read the first five verses to get the full context. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that our tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore we have been justified. And the reason that is a great therefore is because of the fact the word justified means we have been declared or reckoned or considered not guilty. We are justified by faith. We are not guilty in God's eyes of our sin through our faith. These verses tell us some things that we receive when we're declared not guilty from God, when we're, uh, when we're justified. Verse 1 tells us, one of the, the blessings of being justified is the fact we have peace with God. There's a lot of people in this world, whether they know it or not, that are at war with God. They are God's enemy. In Romans chapter 7, it tells us that being living in the flesh is to be an enemy of God. Uh, you, you, there, there are two groups of people in this world. Those that are God's children and those who are not. Those who are lost and those who are saved. And those of us who are saved, those of us who have been justified, we have peace with God. Uh, perhaps one of the most sought after emotional feelings 
uh, known to mankind as the feeling of peace. Would you agree with that? Uh, a lot of folks, we live our lives, we watch the news, we get to see social media, we hear the water cooler chatter at work, uh, we get uh, upset, we get frantic, we get anxious, and we would like to find peace. Can I tell you this morning, if you're a Christ follower, if you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Paul here tells us that because you've been justified, you have peace with God. Now Paul has gone out of his way in the book of Romans, and we studied this in our Romans class on Sunday night. Paul has gone out of his way for four chapters to point out about the wrath of God. Chapter 1 talks about how, really starting in verse 18, going through the end of the chapter, what people we would think of as bad sinners. They're lost, they're living like lost people. Specifically, Paul gets into sexuality, homosexuality, uh, immorality. Paul talks about how, how those people are subject to the grace of God. And all of us this morning, we would say, yeah, go, Paul, preach. You wear that out, preach it. But then he gets to verse 2, or chapter 2, rather. Chapter 2 tells us that there are those folks like us who say, yeah, all those lost folks, they deserve the wrath of God. At least I don't do what they're doing. At least I don't sin like they sin. And Paul says, hold on a second. The real thing that they are doing in chapter 1 is they're worshiping the creator, or the creation. They're worshiping themselves rather than worshiping God. And he says, when y'all say, at least I'm not sinning like that. I'm better than they are. I'm more righteous than they are. I'm more moral than they are. Paul reminds them, guess what, y'all? He doesn't use the word y'all. That was my paraphrase there. But Paul says, guess what, y'all? Y'all are sinners too. Y'all committed the same thing they have. It just looks a little different. And then you got all the church people. The Jewish folks said, you tell them, Paul, those folks over there, they're all lost, even those good people. Now, we're good Jews. We, we've been circumcised. We, we, uh, we, we keep the law. We, we make our sacrifices. If you're reading our daily Bible reading, we're right in the middle of Leviticus and Numbers and all those sacrifices that I don't see how the priests had time to sleep with everything that God had them doing. But Paul says, you religious folks, y'all aren't saved either. That you're keeping all the traditions, but your heart's not close to God. And Paul wraps it up in chapter 3, verse 23, when he said, you need to know this verse. Because this is where you, at the beginning, when you witness to someone, you need to understand this verse. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All those wicked, ungodly, lost folks over there, they sin to come short of the glory of God. Those of us who think that we live pretty good, we, we still sin to come short of the glory of God. And even folks who trust in their religion, 
Well, I've been going to church ever since I was little bitty. If you hadn't trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, been justified by Jesus Christ through faith, you're lost. And you're subject to the wrath of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I used to think that ought to be the starting place when you witness. I don't think that anymore. I think you ought to start in Genesis 1 where it says that we were made in the image of God. And human beings, were, were, were when God finished all creation, he said it was very good. Every human being that's born or will be born is an image bearer of God. Unfortunately, sin has separated them from God. And the whole story of the gospel is how we get back in relationship with God. Therefore, you have been justified. In chapter 4, Paul uses the example of Abraham. He says, all you Jewish folks that think you're saved by the law, Abraham was justified by his faith, and Abraham lived long before the law was ever written. So God, he points out through Abraham in chapter 4, that salvation's always been through faith. <clears throat> Whether it is before the law of Moses, during the law of Moses, or during the Christian age in which we live, salvation is by faith. And then he gets to chapter 5 and says, Therefore, because of all this, these things we've talked about, therefore we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. i tell you what else you have when you're justified, according to verse 2. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith, Unto this grace. We're given access to God's grace. Because we've been justified with God, because we've been declared not guilty, we have access to God's grace. That grace gives us a foundation to live our life. What do I mean by that? Can I remind you of something? When God woke you up this morning, and when he woke me up this morning, when we took our first breath after we woke up, it's by his grace. When we got in our vehicles and traveled to our assembly this morning, the only reason we got here safely is by God's grace. When we leave here and go eat, the only reason why we have food on our shelves or in our refrigerators or have the money to go to a restaurant to buy food if we're going to eat out is because of the grace of God. And the only reason we have a job and we're healthy enough to work is by the grace of God. And if you say, well, I'm retired already and I'm living on Social Security, the only reason you were healthy enough to work when you worked so you could draw Social Security is by what? The grace of God. Grace helps, gives us a lens to filter life through. There's a lot of mess in our world today that will just get us down if we let it. Can I remind us that in spite of Chinese weather balloons and unknown objects that are being shot down and high inflation, war in Ukraine, 
possible looming relations with China getting worse? Can I tell you and remind you that God's got this? Is it troubling? Yes. But because I'm a Christ follower, I have God's grace with which to look and with which to see. And I also have God's grace that's been given to me that I can give to other people. Because, because God's been so gracious to me, I'd be gracious to others. And so can you. If we can live life fully aware that even our breath is by the grace of God, we can live life with much less stress and anxiety. Amen? Amen. But not only that, because we've been justified, look at verse 2 again, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. That's our foundation. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I've been given hope. Because I'm a Christ follower, because I've found peace with God, because God declares me not guilty through my faith in Jesus Christ, it's not what I did, it's what Jesus did. I've been given a hope. You know what my hope is? I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. So what about a Chinese weather balloon? So what about sickness? So what about tr financial trouble? Those are difficult. It's hard. It's real. I'm not making light of those things. But let me tell you, I've got hope that there's something else. There's something beyond. Can I tell you, if the, word if, if the Lord decides it's time for him to come back tomorrow, I know where I'm going. And I hope you know where you're going. If you've made peace with God, y'all, you have hope. Hope is something that we need to get us through this life. One of the most difficult things I do in, in, at Turney Center with the inmates there is to try to let them know there's hope. Because some of those folks, they've lost touch with their family. They've lost touch with their friends. Some of them are going to be there the rest of their life with no hope of parole. And hopelessness sets in. Especially around the holidays. Y'all, we have hope. Not only that. Verse 5, we have a new perspective. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. But in between that, look at verse 3. Not only do we have hope of knowing where we're going, because the Holy Spirit's been poured out on us, in verse 3, we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. We have a new perspective. Yes, as Christians, we're going to go through difficulty. Christians are not immune to suffering and trials and tribulations. But notice what those trials and tribulations produce. First of all, it produces perseverance. That word perseverance, another word for perseverance is stick-to-itiveness. The ability to get through something difficult. 
our trials and tribulations, when we have God on our side, even when we think we're never going to get there, we're reminded of what the psalmist says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. God's with us, and God will get us through. We can persevere. And with perseverance comes character. How is character built? Y'all, character is built through difficulty. We're seeing a young generation today that can't persevere about anything because they've had it easy. Now, not all of them. And y'all, that's, that's my generation. It's our generation's fault for making it that way. You know, you can't blame the young folks because they do whatever the older folks let them do, Right? And I think it's natural that every parent wants it easier for their children. But I think what we sometimes as parents and grandparents have done is we've made it to the point where our kids and grandkids haven't had to work for anything. It's just kind of handed to them. Everybody gets a participation trophy. Uh, everybody, th there's a school system in Virginia. I want to say it's Fairfax County. It's one of the biggest counties in Virginia, they have done away with the grading system as we know it. They are grading now uh, what, how you get your grade in your class is they take all the grades and whatever the middle grade is, that's what everybody gets. Nobody gets an A. Nobody gets an F. They just all get a C. And we wonder why we can't work. Y'all, we, we're not building character. We're not building young people that have character so that they can face anything. What kind of worries me if our nation does get in a war is can we as Americans even agree together on something long enough to fight a common enemy? I'm honestly afraid if the Japanese were to have attacked if Pearl Harbor were today, half the Americans would say, well, we deserved it for who we are as America. Right? Perseverance built troubles, trials, tribulations builds perseverance. Perseverance builds character. Character builds hope. I got through that. I can get through this. I know I had cancer once. With the Lord's help, I beat it. I can beat it again. I started a new job once. I got through it and did all right. The Lord helped me. I can do it again. Therefore, we have been justified. <coughs> We've been declared not guilty. See the chain there? Tribulation. Perseverance. Character, hope. And then we get to verse 5. That hope that we have the Holy Spirit poured out on us. Y'all, we can get through anything. It might not be easy. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. That greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. Therefore, we have been justified by faith.
Romans 8, verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Not only have we been justified, and Paul ends Romans 5 by saying, uh, as sin reigned into death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul could have stopped at the end of verse five, uh, chapter 5 and go right into verse 8. But chapter 6 and 7 are sort of a parenthetical statement. Chapter 6, Paul answers the yeah but. Chapter 5 says, therefore we've been justified by faith. We have hope, we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. By the grace of God, we have grace, and, and we've been forgiven of our sins. So there's a group of folks that says, well, if grace is so good, let's just keep on sinning. If I have grace and I have forgiveness, then I, I, I can keep living in sin. I can keep doing whatever I want to do. Praise be for God's grace. And Paul says, God forbid. And that's chapter 6. Chapter 7, the other extreme is... If I've been saved and justified and have peace with God, why am I still fighting sin? Why am I still struggling with sin? And Paul talks about that struggle that we're always going to have. See what you missed by not being in our Romans class on Sunday night if you, if you haven't been there? Because we deal with that, right? If I'm saved, why am I sinning? If I'm saved, why am I struggling? If I'm sinning, why, why am I having to... De Paul deals with that in chapter 7. But then he gets to chapter 8, and he says, There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Very simply stated, the person who is in Christ is safe and secure from condemnation now and forever. It doesn't mean we don't sin. It doesn't mean that we won't need to ask forgiveness of our sins. But I'll tell you what it does mean. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ that we have, we've trusted Jesus and we've trusted his finished work on the cross, God is always going to look to us and say, not guilty. God doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus' blood. When he sees the blood, he'll pass over. Now, we're still going to face a judgment at end times. We're going to go before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to give an account to how we spent our Christian life. Did we spend our Christian life bearing fruit for Jesus, or do we keep living for ourselves? That's called the Bema Seat Judgment, or the, the Judgment Seat of Christ. We won't have the great white throne judgment, the sheep and the goats, and the lost and the, and the, the saved and the lost. That's been settled at Calvary, Amen. We've been justified. Therefore, there's, there's no condemnation. Now, Satan may tell you, if you're really a Christian, you wouldn't have cussed like that. If you're really saved, you wouldn't have acted like that. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't have done this or done that. We may even tell ourselves. One of the biggest things we Christians deal with is our guilt. And it's Satan telling us that we're a big bunch of sinners. When God has said you're not guilty, there's no condemnation. 
Now, that does not mean we don't need to ask forgiveness for our sins. We do. Sin is a very real thing that we are going to deal with in our life until we are glorified. But one of the greatest therefores in Romans is, therefore, there is now no condemnation in Christ. I'm not going to jump too far into this one because we're going to spend the next couple of three weeks in Romans 8. Tell you what, after going through Romans, this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I, uh, when, when I studied it for our Sunday night class, I, I told our Sunday night group, we all need this. So we're going to spend a few few weeks in Romans 8. So we'll, we'll pick up in Romans 8 1 uh, next week, Lord willing. Now look at Romans 12. Romans 12 1. Romans 5 1, Romans 8 1, Romans 12 1 are the three great therefores. In chapters 1 through 11 of Romans, Paul has been laying down doctrine. He's told us what sin is. He's told us what the wrath of God is. He's told us what justification is. And then starting in verse chapter 12 and going through the end of the chapter, because we've been saved, because we've been justified, because we're no longer under condemnation, we ought to live a certain way. What does a justified non-condemned person, what does their life look like? And Paul, Paul starts explaining that in chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to, to God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech you, I urge you, I beg of you. And notice it's to brethren. Paul doesn't give this exhortation to lost folks. No matter how good lost folks live, they're still lost. Amen? If you haven't trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're lost. No matter how good you are, because you can't be good enough. So I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of God's mercy, God has been merciful to us. We need to present our bodies to him, a living sacrifice. Marie and I talked as we were reading through Leviticus. Aren't you glad we don't have to give all those sacrifices and all the lambs and the goats and the turtle doves and the flour and all of this? And I, 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 we, we said yes, but then you get to this verse. Did you know as a Christian we're still commanded to give a sacrifice? Well, who do we what do we sacrifice? Us. Our bodies. God wants our bodies, and verse 2 tells us he wants our mind too. But he wants our bodies. Present your bodies. What kind of sacrifice? Living. Can I remind us that we can't divide our life up with our church life here and the rest of our life, our work life, our family life, our recreational life. It's easy to come to church and assemble and sing, oh, I love Jesus in the garden. He touched me at Calvary. Blessed assurance, victory in Jesus. That's easy to do. But we leave here on Sunday 
And we still have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to live. And what Paul is telling us here is that we need to be Christians outside the assembly. We need Our whole life needs to be a living sacrifice. Whatever I do, if I'm a banker, a football player, an accountant, policeman, homemaker, engineer, chef, whatever it is we do, people need to see Jesus while we're doing it. Amen? We, we need to work our work differently than non-Christians do. We need to walk our walk differently than non-Christians do. We Christians don't need to be adding to the problem. We need to give solutions and point folks toward Jesus. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, because God's been merciful to you. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. You read all those sacrifices in Leviticus. It had to be a, an animal without blemish, without spot, no defects. It had to be perfect to be acceptable. God is saying we need to present our bodies a living sacrifice to be acceptable to him. When we live for God on this earth, wherever we are, and whatever we do, we're lifting up that same sweet aroma to the Father that the Old Testament sacrifices sent up. I understand Jesus was our sacrificial lamb, but we still give a sacrifice through our, our living sacrifice. When we present our bodies to God to serve Him, that's, that's an acceptable sacrifice to God. And, and look at this last phrase, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable means it makes sense. That's reasonable. That's logical. But that word service, that word service could more properly be translated worship. Matter of fact, some of the translations say that presenting our bodies a living sacrifice is our reasonable worship. Did you know that when you're at work and you are doing your work in a way that is pleasing to God, that you are worshiping God? Did you know that when you're at Food Saver, I knew I had to bring Food Saver into this, didn't I? <laughs> when you're at Food Saver and you let, you've got a buggy full of groceries and you let the fellow that's got two items go in front of you, you showing your kindness to him, did you know that's worship to God? Did you know when you take the buggy that somebody leaves in the parking lot and Push it back inside. Even though no one may see you, guess what? God does. And that's worship. When you're at work and you do the right thing the right way, because it's God's way, that's worship. Therefore, we have been justified by faith. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Three great therefores. 
Can I remind us that as Christ followers, because we've been justified and because we have no condemnation, we ought to live like it. And that ought to be the way we walk out this door as a Christ follower. How are you living your life? Are you living for the Lord or yourself? And that's something that we always have to stop and ask ourselves.